25 to verse 32 this morning, Psalm 119. There, verse 25 will begin there. Uh, and I've entitled this message, Let's Go for a Run. How many of you run today? Any runners in here? We ain't got no, how many of you run when something is chasing you? Okay, now we got some runners. Now we got some runners. There we go. Uh, yeah, I used to run a long time ago. Don't, don't do much of it anymore. Uh, but I used to do some of that a long time ago. I do, I, I was, you know, most, most of you know, uh, I've, um, I love to hike. I don't get to do it as much as I like to, but I would love to do it. I remember one day I was out on this trail. And uh, I was out on this trail, and I was, you know, I was walking, I was hiking, and, and I mean, it was, I was out of breath, but I mean, I'm not in the best of shape neither, but I was out of breath. And then the next thing I know, trail runners went right past me. And I stood in awe and amazement watching these guys as they uh, ran down through the trail. I'm talking up mountains and the rocks and the roots and everything else that's sticking out and everything you can imagine. You can fall over and, and get seriously injured and hurt and, uh, you know, and as, as exhausting as it was just to walk and climb. And these guys, they were just running the whole trail. I mean, running it. And I just stood there. I mean, they went, uh, I was going down the hill. They were running up the hill. And I stepped off to this side and whew, there they went. And I stood there and just watched them as they disappeared over the mountain. And I was just like, wow, man, I wished I could do that. But I was in no shape to get in that place, that is for sure. But I did stand in amazement as these guys, as, as they ran. But you know what? They didn't start off doing that. They didn't start off one day. They didn't just get on the trail one day and say, well, let's just go for a run and just run over across every mountain that there was. You know what they had to do? There was a time when they stood there and they were just like me. They were just like me. Maybe even worse off than I was. But there was a time when they stood there and they were just like me because you know what? Everybody's got to start somewhere. Everybody's got to start somewhere. And so there was a time when, you know, they said, let's go for a run. And they were just like me. They couldn't do those types of things. But eventually, as they kept going and kept pursuing that which they loved and kept doing it and kept doing it and kept doing it, they eventually got themselves to the place where they can run over these mountains and around the hills and valleys and just keep going and going and going and going. And, uh, and how amazing that must be. To be able to have that much, that much stamina and that much strength and endurance to be able to keep running and running and running like that. How amazing that must be. But like I said, they didn't start off that way. They started off just like probably, well, like every one of us uh, here today would uh, because we all have to start somewhere. And so as we begin here in verse 25, I want us to see a man who is, uh, who is uh, at a very low point in his life. And as he's at this very low point in his life, and I don't want to really spoil the whole thing for you, but I do want to show you because there is hope for everybody. Amen? And we will get to the very end, and, uh, and I want us to see this, but as you look in verse 25, notice he says, My soul cleaveth unto the dust, his soul, in essence, really, in essence, his, his life. And if he's cleaving to the dust, where is he at? That means he is, in essence, uh, prostrate on the ground. He is laying in the dirt. I mean, he is in the lowest place that he feels like he can possibly get. But when you look at the very last verse we're going to look at today, and that is verse 32, notice what the first three words say. I will run. I will run. And so what I want us to see and understand this morning is, even if we feel like we're laying in the dirt, understand there's hope, and we can run. Everybody's got to start somewhere. And even if that means that's at the lowest place that we can get, even if that means that is a very low place in life, everyone has to start somewhere. Let's begin there in verse 25. 
The Bible says, My soul cleaveth unto the dust. Quicken thou me according to thy word. And so there in verse 25, as I said, he says, My soul cleaveth unto the dust. But he says, quicken thou me according to thy word. And so we see there in verse 25, in essence, his life in essence. He feels like he's at this low point in his life. He is at this place where it doesn't seem like that maybe perhaps it can get any worse. I mean, there he is. Uh, He is, in essence, uh, in the dust of the earth, so to speak, laying prostrate there on the ground. I'm not so sure if it can get any worse than this. I I feel like maybe in essence that I'm even at the the point of death, you know, in this place. I'm not so sure if there's any hope left. And so there in verse 25, he says, he says, my soul cleaveth unto the dust. But notice then what else he says there in verse 5 he says he says as my soul uh, 25 he says as my soul cleaves unto the dust notice what he says he says quicken thou me according to thy word and so what is that idea of what does that mean what is what does the uh, the quicken mean well it has the idea of to revive uh, or to bring life back into it to uh to to in essence usher in strength where there was no strength to to make me strong where i was weak to uh, to revive a man who is uh, who was uh, wore out, who who in essence uh, had no hope at all, and so he says, "Lord, what I desire in my life," he says, "This is where I'm at. My soul is cleaving to the dust. My life is right here. I am. I feel like I'm as low as I can get. I am." In essence, prostrate out on the ground. I'm at this low point in my life. And he says, God, what I really need in my life right now is I need to be revived. I need to, I need to be, I need to be quickened in my life. I need to be quickened in my body. I need to be quickened in my spirit. I need strength. I need to be revived and revitalizing in my life. God, I need to, I need to be made alive once again. He had had his time. Where obviously there in verse 25, he had had this time and how long that time has been, I don't know. But he had had this time when he was going through sorrow and he had had this time when things were tough and, and, things, were, uh, and things were maybe even perhaps miserable in his life. And he was just having it very hard. How many have ever had it pretty hard? We all have at times. We've all had some tough times. And we've all had some hard times and things has been difficult for all of us at some point in our life. And maybe even this morning, we woke up today and listen, things were tough. And listen, there was a guy right here in the scriptures that even said himself, listen, I'm going through a tough time. I'm going through some hard times. Things are difficult for me right now. And that's where he was at. In essence, I'm laying prostrate in the dust. I'm at this low point in my life. He says, but God, what I really need, God, what I'm needing this morning, God, what I need today is to be quickened in my spirit. I need to be revived in my heart. Uh, Lord, I need, I need strength. And notice where he said, notice where this is going to come from. There in verse 25, he says, my soul cleaveth unto the dust. Quicken thou me. But notice he says, quicken thou me. Because where did he know that his strength was going to come from? Where is it that he knew that he could that he could sit under that he could sit under that uh, the tap where the power flows out? Where is it that he knew that he could go to that was going to give him everything that he needed? Notice when he says there in the text, he says, he says, "My soul cleaveth unto the dust; quickened thou me." He was going to the Lord. He was saying, "God, you're the one that I can. You're the only one that I can go to." Listen, we spend a lot of time going out to the world and the world trying to, you know, and seeing if the world can give us the strength that we need in life. 
Seeing if the world can give us the joy that we need or seeing if possessions can give us the, uh, that need or, or whether it's fame or power, whatever it could be. And we spend all of our time doing all these extracurricular things, doing everything we can to revive us again. To bring life or purpose or meaning back into our life. But and you know just as well as I do, if you've been a Christian any amount of time, you know that this world at best can only offer you something that is temporary. And not even something that's real. Not even something that's real. But man, the God of heaven, he can give us something that is eternal. He can give us something that is real. He can give us something that is true. Something that is honest. Something that is beneficial. The good thing, the Bible says, he will withhold from no one that desires to seek him that walks uprightly. And so we can see here in the text, he says, my soul cleaveth unto the dust. He is laying prostrate on the ground. He is going through some difficult times in his life. He says, God, I need to be quickened. God, I need strength. God, I need some help this morning. And he's turning to him. He says, quicken thou me. He didn't go to the world. He listened. He didn't try to find his inner man to strengthen him. You know what he did? He went to God. And he understood that it was God was the one that would give him the strength, that it was God the one that would give him the power that he needed, not himself, not the world, or anybody else. Listen, I'm not saying it's not good. Man, we all need good friends, right? And the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Iron sharpens iron. Listen, we get it and understand that. But listen, even your pastor can't do but so much for you. Even your best friends can't do but so much for you. But man, God, when you come to the Lord and you come to, and you come to him and you let his power move in your life and you let, him, you let him revive you, you let him quicken you, you let him give you the strength because I can do all things through Christ, which what? Strengthens me. And so I come to the Lord and I allow God to work in my life and I allow God to move in my life and I'm going to let God do this, not the world, not myself, not anybody else, but I'm going to go to the right place. Oftentimes the reason why we end up empty-handed is because we, go, we have something that we need but we go to the wrong place to get it. Let me ask you this. Would you go to, would you go to a, a garage, like a mechanic's garage? Would you go somewhere where they fix cars to get a loaf of bread? Would you go there to find a doctor? Now, they can perhaps work on you. You may come out with some springs and wheels, but you won't be the way you need to be. I'm saying all that just to simply say this. The reason why oftentimes we end up empty-handed in life is because we go to the wrong place to get what we need. We go to the wrong place to get what we need. And what happens is, is when we go to the right place, he says here, listen, Lord, I am, all, I, I am in essence prostrate in the dirt. I am laid out as far as I can go. I am in essence in the dust. I'm in the dust. But he says, God, quicken thou me. He knew where his strength would come from. He knew the one who could give him exactly what he needed. And where was this going to come from? Not only from God, but he says, quicken me according to thy word. Because he knew that the strength that he would find in God would also come through his word. And in his word, that's how he speaks to us in these last days, amen? And so we go to God's word and we allow God's word to transform us by the renewing of our minds, to find that lodging place in our heart so that whenever we are in those low places in life, that God's word can give us the strength. And the power that we need. We talked about this the other week. Remember when the Lord Jesus, he was fully God and fully man at the same time. But whenever he was there in the wilderness and he had fasted for 40 days. How many have ever fasted for 40 days? I have never fasted for 40 days. 
But I imagine on day 40, he was pretty hungry. His body was hungry. His body was tired. And his body was wore out. And when his body was hungry and his body was tired and his body was wore out, it was on day 40 when the devil showed up. He didn't show up on day one. He didn't show up on day two. He didn't show up on day five. He didn't show up on day 20. He showed up on day 40. On that, on that day when he knew that the body of Christ in his human form was at the weakest it could possibly be. And you know what he said? Command these stones that they may be made bread. He knew exactly what the Lord's body needed. And he wanted to do everything he could to appeal to his flesh. That's what the devil does to us as well. He does everything he can to, to appeal to us, to our flesh, to, uh, to, to, to get us to get, go in the wrong direction. And listen, as we can see right here, he says here in the text, in verse 25, he says, My soul cleaveth unto the dust. He says, Quicken thou me according to thy word, because it is God's word that is the, the meat of the word, the power of the word, the strength of the word, that is going to renew our minds and give us exactly what we need to get through the day, to get through life. And he knew that the strength that he needed when he was at the lowest point in his life wasn't going to come from the world. It wasn't going to come from himself finding his inner zen or his chi or whatever it is you want to call it. It was going to come from the power of God. That's where it was going to come from. That is where it was going to originate. And so for him to get up from where he was at, for him to get from this place where his soul cleaveth unto the dust, to get to verse 32 where he says, I will run in the way of thy commandments in order to get from that place to this place. He knew it was going to come from God and it was going to come through the power of his word. How many of you like that song that we sing, Standing on the Promises? Standing on the promises, standing on the promises of Christ my King. Right here we see the promises of God, right here in his word. And this is what we stand on. This is our foundation. This is our life. Because Jesus is life. And he says, I am the way and the truth and the life. And his words here brings life. And the Bible says, he that has the Son has life. And so there in verse 26, there in verse 25, that's exactly what he needed. He needed to be revived. You need to be revived. He says, quicken me thou according to thy words. So thou, let's go to verse 26. He says, I have declared my ways and thou heardest me. Teach me thy statutes. And so when we get to verse 26, notice what he says. He says, I have declared my ways. And so when he's declaring his ways, what's in essence he's doing? Well, he's letting God know the path that he's taken. Lord, this is the path that I've, this is the path that I've been going. God, this is the direction that I'm heading. This, this, is, this, is, this is what I'm actively doing. This is what I'm pursuing in my life. I'm declaring my ways. God, I'm declaring my, I'm declaring my concerns. I'm declaring the cares that I have in my life to you. And what does the Bible tell us? The Bible says, cast all your cares upon him, for he what? For he careth for you. And so as he's laying there in the dust, in the lowest place of his life, he's going to the right place, he's going to the right person, he's coming to God and he says, God, through your word, I know that I can receive the strength that I need. And he says, I'm declaring my ways before you. God, yes, this is what I've done. Almost you see a man in repentance as he's laying there face down in the dirt. Yes, God, this is the things I've done. Yes, I've committed this sin. Yes, I'm guilty of this. And yes, I'm guilty of that. And Lord, I understand it. And, and Lord, I... I, I I get it that this is where I'm at. But Lord, I'm coming to you declaring 
my ways. I'm coming to you, casting in essence my sin up to you. Lord, I'm, I'm confessing this to you. And, and as he says there in verse 26, I have declared my ways. And but notice what happens there in verse 26. When he done that, he also said, and thou heardest me. Man, praise God today that whenever we come before the Lord and we say, God, you know what? This is what I'm guilty of. I've done this. I've done this. Yes, God, I've lived this way. I know I'm guilty, but Lord, I'm asking you for your forgiveness today. Lord, I'm praying and I'm pleading with you that you would renew my heart and and set me up in the right place and, and establish my steps and pull me up out of that miry clay that when we come before an almighty God and we plead with him about these things, we have a God in heaven that hears us, that it doesn't leave us alone. That when we plead our case up before God and we, and we confess our sins to him, that our God in heaven doesn't just look at us and say, well, you put yourself in that position and just walk away. You know, my Bible tells me, my Bible tells me that his hand is not shortened, that he cannot save. And so that means that no matter where I'm at, that means no matter how far I've gone, that means no matter where in the, in the, in the sin of blackness I've gotten myself into, that the God of heaven, that his arm is not shortened, that it is not, that, that it is not slack, that he can reach down in the midst of that darkness and depths of sin and pull me up out of all that and has a desire to forgive and save me. If I confess my sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. The Bible says in 1 John 1.9, here we see a man who's gotten to the lowest place he can think of in his life and he knows that the only place where he's going to be revived, the only place he's going to receive strength is going to come through God. He's tired of relying on the world. He's tired of relying on everybody else. He's tired of relying on his own strength, his own self. And so he says, God, you're, you're the only one that I can come to. God, you're the only one that's going to give me that which I need. And so he finds himself here in verse 26, and he's saying, Lord, I'm emptying myself to you. I've declared my ways. In essence, God, I am pouring myself out just like this bottle of water right here. God, I am pouring myself out. I'm not leaving nothing left in the bottle. God, I am pouring it all out. I'm giving it all to you. I'm declaring unto you my ways. God, you know what I've done. You've seen what I've done. God, you've heard what I've done. And I'm asking this morning that you would just forgive me, that you would see where I am down here in the midst of of all this sin and blackness, that God, you don't forget me but God looking down from heaven says son I'll never leave you nor forsake you I know exactly where you're at and he reaches down there in the midst and he pulls him out establishes his steps and puts a new song in his mouth listen there's a lot of people I think in life today have a desire to sing something new a new song a new song the psalmist here desires to sing a new song. He said, I've declared my ways. He says, and thou heardest me. I'm so thankful that whenever I come before the Lord, because listen, I'm an imperfect person. You say, well, you're a preacher. Yes, I am. And that doesn't mean I'm a perfect person. Amen. And I've said this two million times, and today I'll say it two million and one. People will say, well, you know, hypocrites, uh, Christians are just hypocrites. Or those, that church down there, man, it's just full of them. Well, don't keep you from going to Walmart. It don't keep you from going out on the boat. It don't keep you from going to work. It don't keep you from going out on the lake. It don't keep you from going to the ball game. It don't keep you from going to the racetrack. You're fine with all the hypocrites down there. But for whatever reason, the devil just don't want you to be in church. 
Listen, we'll let the devil give us all kinds of reasons for us not to be where we know we're supposed to be anyway. The last thing that I want to do is get into heaven and have to answer before God, well, I didn't go to church because of him. Well, that's pretty, that's pretty lame, right? I don't want my service to God to be depending on other people. Man, I want to do, I, I serve God because I love the Lord, because I, I do it for him, not for anybody else. And that's how church should be. The Bible shows us here, this man, he says, I've declared my ways, thou heardest me, teach me thy statutes. We can see in the very first part of verse 26 how he acknowledges his sinful ways, but in the very last part of verse 26 we see that he wants to, he wants to follow a new path. He wants to go in a different direction. You know why? Because he understands that the way that he was living wasn't getting him anywhere. He understands that the way that he was living was not doing anything for him. It was not profiting him. It was not beneficial to him. It was not giving him that on the inside that he really needed and desired. And we come out here and we seek fulfillment in, uh, in, the, in their entertainment and all the other things out here that this world has to offer. But you know what? It's only a temporary happiness and we come back and we still on the inside we feel like we have nothing. What did I do? What did I actually accomplish? And we come back and we still feel empty like there's still this big void that's here that, that, that is not full. Because we settle on a temporary world to give us temporary things. And it's like a black hole and it just keeps filling up with stuff. We keep filling it up and filling it up. But nothing ever fills it. Nothing ever stops it. Here we see... He acknowledged that he was a sinner. He acknowledged that he was going in the wrong direction. I've declared my ways. He says, thou heard me. He says, teach me thy statutes. I want to go in a different direction. I'm tired of living this life. I'm tired of going in this direction in my life. Lord, I know that there's something different. I know that there's something new. And I desire now in my life to live for you. Teach me. Teach me your ways. Lord, teach me your statutes. There in verse 27, he says, make me to understand the way of thy precepts, so shall I, so shall I talk of thy wondrous works. In essence, he was kind of saying almost kind of the same thing he was, uh, uh, the psalmist was saying in verse 18, in the very same chapter there, when he says uh, there in verse 18, uh, open thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. What's he asking in verse 17? Make me to understand. Listen, Lord, to understand, you have to see. God, help me to see. God, help me to understand. God, bring truth and light into my life. Lord, I want to know your ways. I want to to walk in your path. I'm tired of this way, leaving me so empty and so unfulfilled. Now, God, what I desire, I desire for this empty void in my life that I've been constantly trying to fill with so many things. God, I desire for it to be filled with you. I desire for it to be filled with your joy. I desire for it to be filled with your love. And there in the text in verse 27, he says, make me to understand the, uh, make me to understand the way of thy precepts. I want to walk in it. I want to follow in it. I want it to be a part of my life. Open my eyes. Help me to see. Open my eyes and help me to understand. Lots of folks walking around today. Lots of folks walking around today and, and they can't see and they, and they don't understand. And I'll tell you why. Because the Bible says that the devil, the, the, the God of this age, the little g, the God of this world, is blinding the hearts and minds of men. Least they see the light of the glorious gospel. Listen, the devil don't want you to know the truth. The world don't want you to know the truth. And so where can we go? 
The only place that we can go is to Christ where he says, I am the way and the truth and life and no man comes to the Father but by me. And so here we see he declares to walk in truth. He wants to walk in truth. That is what he desires. He desires a new life. He says, make me to understand thy precepts. God, open up my eyes. God, help me to see what's going on around me. Help me to understand that which you desire and need for me to do. And notice what he says in latter parts, verse 27. He says, and so shall I talk of thy wondrous works. Here, there in verse 27, we can see a man that doesn't understand. Almost like a man that begins there in verse 27 that, that is in confusion. And you know what the Bible says? The Bible says that God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. Who is it that brings confusion into this world? Well, that's the devil, no doubt. He's done that ever since he stepped on the scene in Genesis chapter 3. One of the very first things that he ever said was, Hath God said when the devil stepped on the scene, the very first thing he wanted to do was cast doubt and to bring confusion to God's people. And there was only two, Adam and Eve. At least we think today, do we think we're any better than them? That, that, that the devil would not desire to bring confusion upon me and upon you and upon everyone in this building this morning and, and, and the Christians all across America and to the lost as well. I'm telling you today, this man right here desired to see he wanted the scales to be lifted from his eyes. He wanted to know truth and he wanted to examine truth. He wanted to see truth. He wanted to understand the way of his precepts. And he says there in verse 27, so shall I talk of thy wondrous works. He knew that when the confusion was lifted away and the darkness was pulled away and the scales was lifted up off his eyes and he saw the word of God and he saw the truth as it is and he knew that whenever he saw that and he experienced that, that he wouldn't be able to hold that in. How many of you ever had some news that was so good you couldn't hold it in? You had to tell somebody about it. It was just so good. I can't hold it in. I, I just, I just got to tell. I just got to tell. Let me ask you: How many of you are guilty of doing this? You buy a present for somebody, and you can't wait till Christmas. <laughs> Anybody guilty here this morning? <laughs> we got several of you. You know why? Because you can't wait for them to have it. You know why? Because it's that good, and you can't wait to see their face. And you know it's going to be such a blessing to them. You know they're going to enjoy it. You know it's going to put a smile on their face. And, and you know that they're going to love it. And, and you can't wait for that moment. The news that is inside of you it is so great. You just have to share it. That's in essence we see right here. We see a man. We see a man who is in the dust of the earth. Laid prostrate out on the ground. Didn't know if there was hope. And then they began to cry out to God and confess his ways before the Lord. God heard him from heaven and God forgave him of his sins. And when God began to forgive him of his sins, he began to say, Lord, open up my eyes that I may see. I don't just want to, I don't just want to know you. I, want, I don't just want to know about you, but God, I want to know you. I don't just want to know that, 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 that there is a God. I want to know the true and living God personally. Personally. Then he says, Lord, make me to understand 
So shall I talk of all thy wondrous works. I'll become, in essence, we see in verse 27, he becomes an evangelist. He becomes someone that can't stop talking about the grace of God and the love of God and the forgiveness of God and the goodness of God. He becomes a man that wants to go out because he sees how good God is when God begins to make him understand just who he is and he begins to see the forgiveness of God and the love of God and the holiness of God and the purity of God. When he begins to see all of that and it becomes to a, a full understanding and a reckoning of what it is. He can't help to hold it in. He's got to tell somebody. He's got to let everybody know because it was so good. He cannot contain it to himself. He has to let somebody know. He has to let somebody know. And there in verse 28, he says, uh, he says my soul melteth for heaviness. Strengthen thou me according to thy word. And there in verse 28, kind of goes right back with verse 25. Verse 25, he says, my soul cleaveth unto the dust. There in verse 28, he says, my soul melteth for heaviness. How many of you have ever, maybe even this morning, how many have ever had some heaviness in your life? I'm talking pressure. I'm talking you're carrying a load. I'm talking stress. You're at a breaking point. You've got this load on yourself. You're at this breaking point in your life. He says, my soul, in essence, my life, in essence, my soul, my life, it melts. It melts because of what? There in verse 28, it melts. It melteth for heaviness. He's got a load that's strapped onto him that he's having a hard time enduring. And you know what this heaviness does? You know what this pressure does? Like what it does to all of us. It squeezes us. You know what happens whenever you've got a big load on your shoulders you can't care but for so long until you end up doing what? You start off like this and it seems like, well, I might be able to do this for a little while. You carry it for a little bit. Then you kind of end up like this. Now you're walking like this. You go this way for a little while and then you find yourself down like this. And then you find yourself down like this. And then you find yourself laid all the way out on the ground, completely done, completely melted. Because isn't that what melting means, to change, to change form? change position from one place to another when something's not melted it is standing upright and it is well but when it gets hot and the pressure is applied and the fire of judgment is placed on its life what happens it begins to melt it faces the, it faces the heat of the day it faces the pressure it faces the stress and, 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 and over time and over time and over time as it faces and, and confronts the very same thing it begins to, it begins to become shapeless and, and formless and begins to melt itself out across the ground because it's heavy and it's stressed and it's having a difficult time. Here in the text, in essence, we see a man who has so much stress and so much pressure, maybe perhaps so, much, so many things on his life that it is in essence bringing him to this place 
to where he, in essence, is being squeezed of everything that he has. He feels like he's melting away, tears that run down his face. The pressure in the life brings sorrow to him, and he begins to cry in sorrow. Tears come to his eyes, and it seems like it's a constant thing. Every day, every day, every day, facing this hardship and this heaviness in his life. But notice what he turns to, the same thing he did in verse 25. My soul melteth for heaviness. Strengthen thou me. He goes to the right place. Strengthen thou me according to what? His word. Not myself. Not the world. Not anybody else. But God, I'm coming to you. Because you're the one that's going to do this. God, it's out of my hands. I have no power. I have no strength. But Lord, this is where I'm at, God, and I'm coming to you with this. Lots of people in verse 28 and in verse 25 this morning. Notice what he says. He gets down to verse 29. He says, remove from me the way of lying and grant me thy law graciously. There in verse 29, he says, remove from me the way of lying. God, whatever it is that could be in my life that could take me down the wrong path. Whatever it is that could be in my life that could take me down the wrong path, the way of lying, the listen, the world is lying to us. The devil's lying to us. Listen, there is, lie, there is a lie on every corner. Where do we find the truth? It is the truth is in God's word. And so we go to God's word and we allow God's word to be what guides us in our life. And whatever obstacles that there may be, whatever it is I have to jump, whatever it is I have to climb over, or whatever it is that I have to run around, whatever it is I have to dig under, God, whatever I gotta do, remove from me these hindrances that can be in my life that would keep me from living for you, that would keep me from going in the right direction. There in verse 29, remove from me the way of lying. Whatever it could be, whoever it could be, God, whatever it is, remove it out of my life. Why? Because he doesn't want to go back to where he was. Listen, he's already in the dirt. He don't want to stay in the dirt. And when he gets back up and he's now standing and and has a desire to run, the last thing that he wants to do is go back to where he's laying in the dirt again. He doesn't want that life. That is a life that he's willing to leave behind. You see, he's laying in the dirt in verse 25, and in verse 32, he's running away from that life. I don't want that life anymore. I don't want to pursue that anymore because he knows that God is the one that's going to give him the strength to get away from where he is, to get him away from that situation. Remove from me the way of lying. Whatever it could be that's in my path, whatever there could be that would hinder where I am. Remove that away from me. And then notice what he says. Notice what, notice what he says there in, uh, in the latter part of verse 27. He says, grant unto, he says, grant me thy law graciously. Grant me thy law graciously. Now understand this. Now what is a grant? A grant is something that you are given, right? Generally speaking, you didn't pay for it. It was given to you, right? So he says, grant me thy law. He's asking God to give him something so valuable he knows he can't purchase it himself. He's asking God to give him something, listen, not something that a man wrote, 
not something, but something, God, that you pinned down. God, something that you desire for me. God, your word itself. God, grant unto me. Notice what he said there in the text. Grant me thy law graciously. Now, what is grace? Unmerited favor. Listen, we don't deserve God's grace, but God graciously gives it out. We say amazing grace. Why? Because God's grace is so amazing we don't deserve it. But God graciously pours it out on us every day. The Bible says of his mercy that it's renewed every morning. And do we not need that every day? Man, every day we wake up, we need God. We, need, we, need, we, need a, we don't just need a sample of God's grace, but we need, a, we need bucket loads of God's grace. We need bucket loads of God's, uh, of God's love and his forgiveness and, and his mercy. The Bible says he loads us daily with benefits every single day, even though, even though we don't deserve it. God is so gracious and so, and so good to us that even when we are unfaithful and even when we have gotten out of his way and even when we are laying down in the dirt and we deserve absolutely nothing but there's a God in heaven because he loves us, desires to pour, continue to pour his love and his grace and his forgiveness and his mercy on us every day. Every day. Here in the text, he says, grant me. Grant me thy law graciously. It's something that I would receive from you. I can't afford it. I can't buy it. God, your word is priceless. It is, it is invaluable. It, it is that. So, Lord, grant it to me. I, I can't do it on my own. But, God, this is something that comes from you. Grant me your word, your priceless, invaluable word, and give it to one that doesn't deserve it. But notice what he's going to do there in verse 3 as he acknowledges that he doesn't deserve his word. He doesn't deserve grace. He doesn't deserve mercy. But he says there in verse 3, I have chosen the way of truth. God, you, I'm so thankful that you grant it to me. I'm so thankful, God, that you gave it to me and I desire to choose your truth. Listen, I've looked at that life. I've lived that life. I've been a part of that life. Yes, I've done this. Yes, I've done that. Yes, I lived this way. Yes, I am guilty of that. But you know what? My Bible tells me that when Jesus died on that cross, that all the sins that I ever had in my life, that they were nailed to that old rugged cross with him. And so now from this moment forward I no longer have to answer for none of those sins all of those sins are washed under the blood all of those sins are forgiven and so now what I can do today is knowing that even though I'm still not perfect in this in this uh, sin filled body and even though I will still continue to sin all of those sins have been placed under the blood of Christ and so I can live my life as a new creature in the Lord and no longer have to worry about facing the condemnation of those sins. And I didn't deserve it, but he says there in verse 30, I have chosen the way of truth. We see in verse 30, a man that looked at the world, saw the world, and all that was in it. He looked at the world, saw the world, and all that was in it. Everything that the world would have to say about itself, all of its strength, all of its power, all of its glory, all of that stuff. He looked at it. He saw what the world had. He listened to what the world had to offer. He took part in it at one time, but realized it promised him a lot of things it never could fulfill. And so he's now, and it left him laying in the dust, left him laying in the dirt. And he's now picking himself up. And he's walking in a new direction. Because I'm choosing the way of truth. I'm choosing life. Christ, I'm choosing you. I choose the way of truth. 
out of all the decisions that we have to make in life and even today, what decision are you going to make? Are we going to stay laying prostrate in the ground and continue to let this world and this devil of this world to continually beat us down and just leave us in that place? Are we going to make a, a choice today to say, you know what? I'm going to live in truth. I'm going to walk in truth. Listen, I'm pretty beaten, banged up, and I, and I trip and I stumble and I fall all along the way. Yes, I do. But I'm going to do everything I can to live for truth. Listen, am I perfect? I'm by far. Well, I'm, I'm way by far from perfect, but I can tell you this. I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. Am I, going to, am I going to sin before this day is over? I bet you I will. Am I going to sin tomorrow? Yes, of course I will. But you know what? I'm going to do everything I can to live like God desires for me to live. I'm going to do everything I I can to walk in his strength and his power I'm going to do everything I can to be filled with the spirit of God but I know this the only way that I'm going to be able to do it is if I rely on the strength and the power of his word and there in verse 30 he says I have chosen the way of truth the Bible says his word is a lamp into our feet and a light to our path and there in the latter part of verse 30 he says he says, I have chosen the way of truth. Thy judgments have I laid before me. What he doesn't want to do is he doesn't want to wander off the path. Notice what he says in verse 31. He says, I have stuck. I have stuck unto thy testimonies, O Lord. Put me not to shame. So when you take verse 30 and verse 31, you can see in verse 30, he's in essence saying, out of all the paths to take, I choose the way of truth and I choose the way of life. I've laid your judgments before me. Your judgments, your statutes, your truth. It is a guide for me. How many have ever went bowling? And when you went bowling, you put up the sides. Because you stink at bowling. That would be this guy. And my son. What did you bowl last time? A 50. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty bad. That's pretty bad. (laughs) He needs the sides. Listen, I need guidance too. I need boundaries in my life. I need boundaries in my life, and that's that's in essence what God's word is. It is is boundaries in my life that, that helps me stay on course. Does that make sense? Because listen, if I don't have nothing to keep me on track, if I don't have nothing to keep me on track, you know what's going to happen? I'm going to jump track. I'm going to get way off course. And that's the last thing that I want to do, and that's the last thing that you want to do. Listen, we need God's Word to keep us on track. Because listen, every single day, think about it. Every single day, Man, the world energized by the devil and the demonic spirits that are out there every day doing everything it can to turn us away from the truth, to, to, for us not to see the light. Every single day from, the, from part near the moment that you wake up to the time you go to bed. I mean, we have a world that is doing everything it can to turn us away from where we need to be. If we don't set these boundaries, if we don't let God's word be these guides and we don't lay it before us as something for us to follow, we're going to find ourselves way off track. And he says, God, that's what I don't want. I don't want that to happen. I don't want to get off track. You know why? Because he knows he's prone to do it. Just like you and just like me. We're prone to get off track. Let's finish up. 
Notice what he says. He says, verse 31, I have stuck under thy testimonies, O Lord, put me not to shame. You know what he's saying? When he says I'm stuck to it, you know what he's in essence saying? He's saying, God, I'm hanging on to it. I'm hanging on to it. Uh, Lord, I got my grip firm on your word. I got my grip firm on your testimonies. I got my grip firm on, on that which you need me, uh, on, on your commands, on your statutes, Lord. I've got it in my hand. God, I'm not going to let it go. I don't want to waver to the right nor to the left. He has a firm grip. And in the midst of everything that he's facing, and no matter what's coming his way, the, the wind of the world and the waves that pound on his life, he is hanging on to God. God's word. He, is, he says in the text, I am stuck to thy testimonies, O Lord. Put me not to shame. You know what he doesn't want to do? He doesn't want to be a man that says, you know what? I'm just going to live for God today and then tomorrow I'll live for the world. I don't want to be put to shame. But I want to hold on a firm grip, God, of your word. I want to allow your word to, to change my life. And as it changes my life, it'll change the way I think. It'll change the places that I go. It'll change the things that my hands do. It'll change the things that my feet do. It'll completely change my life. And so it says, Lord, I am hanging on to your word. I don't want to just be this person that, has a, that just says, I'm going to serve you today just with lip service. I don't want to just be a person that comes in the church doors on Sunday morning and just says, you know, and just opens up a songbook and says, sees it just because everybody else is singing it or just because everybody expects me to be there. He doesn't want to be just a, just a person that's just giving lip service when his heart is far from him. That's not what he desires. He desires to be a person that will hang on to God's word and no matter what comes his way, he will not waver from it. He wants it to hang on to it because he, he sees how valuable it is. This was a grant from God. God gave it to him. It is invaluable. It is a priceless possession. The word of God that he holds in his hand and he does not want to let it go. You know why? Because he knows that in the word of God is the way of truth and in the word of God is the way of life and he knows that it will change him and that it will make him a better person and the last thing that he wants to do is to let go of the most valuable thing that he has. He doesn't want to let that go. Listen, why would you and I think about something that you really love that you would never in a million years ever want to get rid of? Can you imagine this morning just casting it to the side? I don't think none of us could. When he thinks about the word of God, he sees how precious that he is. He wants to be someone who is continuously following the Lord. Finish this last verse. He says in verse 32, I will run in the way of thy commandments when thou shalt enlarge my heart. There in verse 32, we see that his desire is to run, to make progress in his life, to get away from the life that he had and the sins that he was living in. His desire is to completely get away from that place. To never return. To never go back. His desire is to run. His desire is to make progress in his life with God. His desire is to live a life with God. And when you see that verse 32 when he says, When, that, uh, when thou shalt enlarge my heart. You know that enlarge? What does it mean to enlarge something? It means to make space. How many of you would agree with me on this? 
that it's a whole lot easier to operate when you have a lot of space. I think that's a fair statement, right? Now, when you're all cramped up and you ain't got no room, it's a whole lot harder and difficult to get things done. But when God enlarges our hearts, when God enlarges that space, in essence, what we see is he's saying, God, I want to run. I'm tired of feeling so cramped in. I'm tired of feeling like I ain't got in the room. I'm tired of feeling like I ain't got no space sort of, uh, because everywhere I turn, I'm running into something. Everywhere I turn, I'm knocking into something. Everywhere I turn, I'm getting hurt. God, uh, I will run when you enlarge my space. And so God, today what I'm asking is that you would make room for me, Lord, that you would enlarge the space that I'm in so that I can run, so that I can live for you and that all the, all the obstacles and all the challenges that are in my way be a whole lot easier to avoid. Does that make sense? A whole lot easier to avoid. God, I'll run when you enlarge this place. Some people today, maybe lots of people, I don't know, are asking within themselves, God, I'm tired of laying in the dirt. I need some help this morning. The only place I'm going to find it is in you. God, I want to make some progress. I want to run away from this life that I'm living. I want to get out of this position. I want to run, God. I want to live for you. And I'm asking this morning that you would just enlarge this place for me. And God, that whatever, whatever obstacles that are in my way, whatever challenges that are in my way, that God, whenever you enlarge this place, that I'll be able to see it and I'll be aware of it and I won't fall over it and I won't stumble over it. But Lord, I'll be able to move around it and I'll be able to get past it. Or whatever it is that I can do. But God, I just want to run for you this morning. So ask yourself this question before we give the invitation. Do you want to continue to lay in the dirt or do you want to run? He said, I choose the way of truth. What's your choice? Let's pray. As the piano player comes, And every man examines his own heart. Nobody else but themselves. And as every man examines his own heart, he asks himself, Lord, where am I at with you? Am I saved today? That is the very first question you'd ask yourself. Do I know Christ as my personal Savior? I'm not talking about do I know that there is a God. I'm not talking about I've heard of a God. I'm not talking about I've heard of Jesus. I'm talking about do you have a personal relationship with Christ. The greatest thing that anybody could ever do is get saved. To choose the way of truth and allow Christ to fill their life, be their Savior. Forgive them of all of their sins and their names written down in the Lamb's book of life, save for eternity. Your eternity is the greatest thing that you need to make sure you have worked out today. And so if you're sitting here this morning and you're not saved, you don't know Christ as your Savior, the Bible says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him shall not perish, but of everlasting life. And if you have a desire to be saved today, you can get saved. You say, well, preacher, I've done this and I've done this and I've done that. That's okay. Understand this. Bible says that where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. In other words, you can't sin more 
then the grace of God will forgive. Where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. The devil will tell you this morning, there ain't no point in trying. You're just going to get back to where you were. You're just going to find yourself laying back in the dirt again. Listen, don't you believe that stuff? The world and the devil doesn't want to do anything but just keep you laying flat out in the dirt. You make a choice to live. You make a choice for Christ. You make a choice for truth. And you get up out of that dirt this morning and you make a conscious decision that I'm going to live for Christ. I'm going to allow His Word to change my life. I'm going to ask God today to enlarge my heart, to enlarge this place so that I can run for Him. Run for Him. If that speaks of you today, and you're here today and you're not saved, but you want to get saved. Nobody's looking but me and God. But would you slip your hand up so I can see you? Anybody here this morning? I'm not saved, but I want to get saved. Anybody here today? Just put your hand up so I can see you. Anybody anywhere? I'm not saved, but I have a desire to be saved. As we stand to our feet this morning, we're going to open up the altar today. I encourage you to come. Pray about whatever the Lord's laid on your heart. If it's about salvation, you make sure you come up here and you take this old preacher by the hand and you say, Preacher, I want to get saved today. But whatever it could be, maybe you feel like this man that's laying in the dirt. But today, you want to go in a different direction. And you're making a choice to go in a different direction this morning. You're asking God to give you strength. You're asking God to help you. What is your choice? As folks come and they fill the altars this morning, praying about whatever it is that God's laid on their heart, would you come amongst them? What is God speaking to you about today? Is it about a particular sin? Maybe he's knocking on the door of your heart and he's talking to you about it. Maybe it is that you've just gotten away from the Lord. You used to go to church, you used to live for God, you used to pray, you used to read your Bible, but you don't do any of that anymore for whatever reason. Now God this morning is knocking on the door of your heart saying, listen, you come home. Listen, you get that right. The psalmist said, I choose the way of truth. What is your choice? As the Holy Spirit of God speaks to our hearts today, the Bible says, today is the day of salvation. Today, if you'll hear His voice, harden not your hearts. Hear God speaking to you today, don't walk away from it, but acknowledge it. Do something about it. Maybe there are some things you just don't understand. Psalmist said that he needed to understand. Maybe there are some things in life that you just need God to open up to you about His Word. Pray for it. Ask for it. The Bible says we have not because we ask not. Pray for it. 
We have an awesome God that loves you, cares for you, desires to save you if you need to be saved, desires to work in your heart, whatever it is this morning. Cast all you care upon Him, for He careth for you. As He says in Isaiah, Come now and let us reason together, thus saith the Lord. Though our sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as wool. Praise the Lord. If you can be seated here for just a quick moment. I had a couple things I want to do. If I could get Miss Polly to come on up. And uh, she's got her grandson there with her. All right. I think uh, Tim and Nicole, I think they're going to come up as well. But Miss Polly, and she's sitting here with a grandson. And you can just turn around and just face the crowd here. Uh, now, he's been, uh, he's been saved, but he wants to get baptized. And so we're looking, going to be looking and talking about baptism. But Miss Polly here today says that uh, she wanted to rededicate her life to the Lord. So we praise the Lord for that. Amen. So amen. Praise the Lord for that. And over here we have uh, Tim. Uh, all right. Let's see what you got here. All right. So over here, man, I tell you what, uh, the Blood Goods, they are a tremendous family. They've been coming for a while. Uh, and uh, Tim and Nicole and their two kids, man, they're, they're uh, just great people. And uh, they expressed the other week that they would like to uh, become members of uh, Gospelite. Uh, and so uh, we just kind of talked about some things and uh, and uh, so they uh, come this morning and uh, was asking me, they said, would be, today be a good day? Just a good day as any, right? Uh, and so they want to be, uh, be members of our church. Uh, and so we have uh, Tim and Nicole Bloodgood uh, and their family here. And uh, they, uh, let's see, y'all are from, was it New York? New York. Come from New York. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, praise the Lord. So they, they came down here. Did you get saved before you got down here? Yes. Okay, all right. Okay, well, that's good. I didn't know how that worked up there up north, but... Uh, I'm just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. So, so yeah, they belong to a good church up there, and uh, and they came down here, and um, and we're part. We're glad that they're uh, having a desire to be a part of our church, uh, and so uh, like I said, just good family. And so what we want to do is, is we want to take a vote this morning that we would have this uh, these uh, the blood goods be a part of our family this morning. So what we want to do is just signify by raising the right hand. Everybody have a desire for them to become everybody good. Amen. Praise the Lord. So we are good. And so, man, that is tremendous news. We are so thankful that y'all are a part of our church. Amen. Praise the Lord. And so what we want to do is, 